Hi, Podbean lovers. This is Andy of Andy's Personal Development on the Love Bits A channel and on the Podbean network. And we are doing part two of the episode entitled Teamwork and Leadership. Part two basically looks at the relevance of the team, the kind of coaching that is necessary or needed for the team, the cohesive manner in which the team should function and operate, the identity of the team and its leaders or leader, the leader's role in ensuring that the team contains or remains an integral part of the organization as a whole, and the succession planning phase and its advantages. Yeah. So welcome, welcome, welcome one and all to this podcast network and this episode entitled Teamwork and Leadership 2. One of the things that I want us to look at in this episode is the fact that no team no matter how highly professional and equipped the team is, can ever function successfully on its own, particularly if it belongs to an organization. And it has to indeed, in its most finite moments, represent the vision, the goal, the image, of that organization, which must be the top priority of the team. And so the team has to understand that it needs to work on the basis of merging of efforts. Merging of efforts. What does that mean? We can get caught up in a policy that is called sub optimization. And basically, what that is, is that it refers to the practice of focusing on one component of a total and making changes intended to improve that one component and ignoring the effects of the other components. This can happen if one particular team in an organization is required to perform at such a high level that it begins to compete with other teams in the organization. And so we could have internal conflicts taking place. We could have unnecessary internal clashes taking place because instead of having a competitive atmosphere or a competitive attitude towards each other, they're supposed to have emerging of efforts. If every team of the organization understands that they are an arm with a separate function, but yet part of a whole, then they would understand that despite the fact that they may be a higher value team, in terms of what it brings to the table, it does not necessarily mean that it has to be the team that performs at the highest and therefore it finds itself in a competition 
with the other teams that represent the organization. Usually what happens is that management would create a policy so that at the end of a particular time or period where you have an assessment taking place, whether it be quarterly, biannually, or annually, the team that has brought the most reward in terms of its function gets a bonus or a benefit, something that would reward them for the hard work and the commitment that they have put out and the mere fact that they have reached their target, maybe even before the time set for them reaching that target, they would receive a reward, whether it be a year in bonus, a vacation, a cruise, time out with their family, all paid expenses, you name it. It does not matter. But what would be a disincentive to the other teams is to know that despite the fact that they were an integral part of the overall success of the organization, at the end of the project, there were no rewards or bonuses for them. See, the organization has got to understand that you cannot treat any team as though they are a mechanical arm of the organization. The team must really be considered as looking at individuals from a humanistic point of view. And if the organization and the leadership of the team understands that though they expect these teams to perform at a certain maxim within their basic core competencies or areas of expertise, at the same time you are dealing with human beings. You may say, well, why is that important? Because they have to understand that they represent the organization and therefore the organization expects them to achieve their goals and the objectives within a given time based on what the organization wants and based on their terms of references or their core competencies in addition to the resources that the organization may give to them. And I have to agree with that. But I also have to look at the fact that you are not dealing with robots. You're not dealing with mechanical implements. You're dealing with personnel, human beings. And so from day to day, as human, we would have our challenges. The team leader's responsibility is to recognize where a potential challenge or existing challenge can create a form of suspension, even though it is temporary, as far as the effectiveness or the functioning of a team is concerned. It is important for us to understand that the leader must have that kind of eye, that kind of vision, and to look and see at times where there is that human element that can come to the fore, and it may be a challenge, because it would then mean if that person is not functioning in an optimal terms of reference to their position, as it favors the effectiveness and the efficiency of the team, it needs to be addressed. 
our sixth U.S. President, J.Q. Adams, John Quincy Adams, he said, and I quote, If your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, you are a leader. Now, if a leader does not himself or herself has the desire to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, then they cannot inspire that in others. It is highly impossible for any leader of a team to give inspiration to the team to do something more than the team is accustomed doing if that leader is not prepared to do that extra or more for his or, sir or herself. It begins with the leader. The leader must be the true source of inspiration for the team. The leader must be the true source of motivation for the team. The leader must be the true source of transformation for the team. See, if the leader is struggling, the team will struggle. <laughs> we got to understand that. Because by reason of being associated with the team, the leader will over time transfer or transcend to the team what they are feeling, what they are experiencing. And if they are struggling, yet playing the role of leadership as an integral part of the team, then that negative vibe, that negative energy is going to, at some point in time, impact upon the team. And so the leader must understand that they have a personal and an overall responsibility to ensure that they lead by example. If you can inspire the members of your team to put in that extra effort without complaining, to take themselves to a place where they can learn more about what they are actually doing because their interest has increased, you have inspired that in them by reason of you taking certain proactive measures and steps that they are seeing and as setting the higher example, it is saying something to them. It is challenging them to get to a point, to get to a position, to get to a place where they are saying, you know what? I need to do a little bit more, even if it's for the team's sake, but at least I will have the benefit of improving my level of competence as a member of this organization. That is what the leader must inspire in individuals. And therefore, if the leader is seeing over an extended period of time that one of these or two of these or three of the individuals that make up his team, the construct of his team, are experiencing negative feelings or negative vibes and they are bringing that to the table he or she must deal with that immediately you know <laughs> a famous essayist and poet by the name of ralph waldo emerson once said do not follow where the path may lead go instead where there is no path and leave a trail in other words, set new boundaries for yourself. It is good to follow in the footsteps or the pathways of others because 
it may be as a result of the mistakes that they have made that they have now set these paths and you do not have to pay the price of the mistakes that they have made but now you have become a conqueror and more than a conqueror because they conquered and as a result of them conquering you can conquer as well but now you have become a beneficiary of the lessons that they have learned but what about if you could create the opportunities for others to become beneficiaries as well i think there's greater value in that because the more you push as a leader or as a member of the team to go to a place where they have not been before and to discover new things that could change the dynamics of the progress of the organization and the team as a whole, then who knows what can happen. See, the thing about it, greatness didn't come by those who did not decide to exploit into the unknown. It came because they decided to go deeper than they were accustomed going before. It came because they decided to fly higher than they were accustomed flying before. It came because they were willing to search in deeper and wider places that they had never searched before. And so we have to understand that there are times when the challenge of the team to function will become an integral part of the entire organization and they're going to have to deal with it. But the leader's responsibility is to be proactive and to recognize even before that time comes that there may be something brewing. He or she must have that level of perception to understand and see when something amiss is taking place in the team and be proactive and skillful enough to maneuver into that situation, bring about a resolution, and then set a new path for the team to follow. That is instrumental because what it means is that the team will always be looking forward to the leader for leadership, and even in times when it may appear that they are not sure the direction that they need to go in. And if you take time out to think about it, and you look at the history of the success of certain teams that have existed in the world, and I want to look at Real Madrid, for example, that football team coming out of Spain. They had a run of successes when Cristiano Ronaldo was on that team, and he was instrumental in so many ways. He broke all kinds of records, actually. And the important thing about it was that he became the mercurial leader of that team. But at the end of the day, he led not only by example, but he led by the results. And the results were so important that the rest of the team took the opportunity that was created by those results and believed that they can become champions and stay champions, and they did. It was a result of that cohesive effort between leader, management, 
and the rest of the team that made it possible. I call it merging of efforts. Number two. James Hillman, an American psychologist, he says, and I quote, an individual's harmony with his or her own deep self requires not merely a journey to the interior, but a harmonizing with the environmental world. In our line of business, it is called ecocentricism. And what does that mean when I say echocentricism? It refers to an attitude where, as a team, the leader encourages every member of that team to go holistic in terms of how they are going to look to achieving the results of the team by understanding that there are more than just internal factors, but there are also external factors outside of the environment of the team that can affect the performance of the team and may have an impact on the end result that the team has to accomplish. See, the team cannot afford to ignore this, nor the leader, nor the organization as a whole. Because at the end of the day, if they do not pay attention to all the possible contributing factors, even those that may not be in their favor, the team, the leader, the corporate body can become blindsided. Not understanding that the reason why they did not accomplish collectively the goal that they set out to, it was maybe because factors outside of the organization, but in the environment in which the organization functions. Now, you got to understand that this is something that we have no control over. The team does not have control over what the competition does. The team does not have any control over what the weather does. The team does not have any control over what the economy does or the politician does or those who are responsible for making the decisions in the city, the community, where the team functions or the organization exists. But what we do have control over is taking the necessary cognitive information of what is happening around us bringing that to the fore and understanding that we must take notice of the things that are happening outside of us equally as we are taking notice of the things that are happening inside of us and putting them together and understanding how they can affect the results that the team is looking for. SWOT analysis is extremely important. You're looking at your strengths, you're looking at your weaknesses, you're looking at the opportunities, and remember, externally you are looking at your threats. You cannot complete any project without understanding all of the elements that may from time to time become a problem 
or a challenge for the team, for the leader, and for the organization. And so it is extremely important for us to be ecocentric, understanding that there are things that are going to happen outside of the environment in which the team functions that can affect the ability of the team to function. Now, the leader must be the kind of individual that would help the team to create an opportunity for continuity. That's number three. The team must have the ability to control the opportunity it has to create a systematic form of functioning for those that would come in the future after they have completed their task or mission. There must be a form of continuity. But in order for the team to accomplish that, the team must have a leader who's willing to go and do some historical research. Why that is important? It is important because the team leader needs to understand there are two things that would have laid impact to the success of the organization or the teams of his division before. That is one, the philosophy, and two, the culture. And if you did not take time to study those two aspects of those who had gone on before or whom you have taken over from, it is possible that you can lose the essence of what they were trying to accomplish. Yes, the corporate body would have given you a goal. They would have set forth um, a mission and a vision that you can look forward to, that you can plan towards. But at the end of the day, there were those who were there before you. What did they do? How did they do it? How did they act and react when faced with adverse situations? What were the mechanisms that they were put in place to mitigate outstanding circumstances and those in the atmosphere around concerning the performance of the team? How did they deal with internal conflicts? How did they deal with teams that were only focusing on high performance and not high value and not understanding that they are not just a part but part of a whole? See, that is extremely important. History tells us everything what we need to know about what has happened in the past and helps us to set a foundation for what can happen in the future. But we have to be willing to take the time out to study, ask questions, call someone who was there before, seek their ideas, seek their opinions. It may not always influence the decisions that you're going to make going forward, but at least you can have an idea of how they arrived at the decisions that they made and how they got to the point where they finally and actually achieved the results of the corporate body. So it is important to understand the history, comparing it to where you are at now, and also looking at the future, understanding that you're going to lay the foundation for those who are going to continue after you have departed the scene. And that is extremely, extremely important. Now, 
the individual team that understands its function and its role must also understand that it has an opportunity while at one instance to set milestones they also have an opportunity to create opportunities for others and so they must understand that the role that they play is not just for the benefit of the team but for the benefit of the entire organization for the longer haul of things the benefits that you gain you cannot look at those benefits from a short term standpoint meaning to say simply this do not focus on what the team can accomplish because of the benefits or the bonuses that may, the team may achieve at the end of it that must not be the where it all or the main reason the catalyst the impetus that the team uses to accomplish the goal the team must see itself as an integral part of the organization upholding a particular responsibility that it must now take on as its own and understand that they represent a larger interest the final thing that i need to say and this is extremely important is that there must be a all hands on deck approach when it comes to the key and core elements of what needs to be done to get the goal accomplished what do i mean by that when you have your meetings and the team and the leader and the corporate people get together the opinions of everyone matters it does not mean that the corporate will be doing all the talking down to the leader who will then in turn talk down to the team it must be that everyone at the table needs to have an input needs to have a say needs to have their opinion heard because they are all stakeholders in the success of the final result that the corporate body is looking for that means therefore that the success of the teams collectively represents the success of the corporate body and therefore the action that is necessary to take to accomplish the success must be one that every member of the organization is prepared to take what that means is that corporate will not sit back and say okay all we need to do is create policy give the resources the team will take care of it they will do the rest that's a hands off kind of approach they need to have a hands-on approach and i do not mean micromanaging the situation but i mean regular consultation with the team and its leaders understanding that they have also an integral part to play in the success of the teams and the teams must know that corporate has their back so that 
they are not just going out there to do the work just to represent the success of the organization per se, but they are part of an organization that represents a family kind of orientation. That's the culture that they need to be in, to understand that the corporate, the leader, and the team are parts and members of a family that now has come together to accomplish a particular goal. And if any one of those are missing, the goal will not be accomplished. That is how important that integral coming together of every part of the organization is important. And therefore, every part of the organization's opinions, ideas are extremely important to the entire success of the team. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to take a short break. We're going to listen to a little music and we will be back shortly. Stay tuned, people. Don't go anywhere. Okay, we are back, and this is Andy of Andy's Personal Development on the Love Bits A channel. On the Podbean Network, we are live in the studio, and this is part two of an episode entitled Teamwork and Leadership. We have just covered the most basic and technical aspects of what is necessary for the team and the leader to function effectively and efficiently for the benefit of the organization. And we just have a few more minutes. And before we wrap up, there's one more thing that I need to go into. And it is the fact that teams, leaders, and organizations need to understand that they need to focus on relevance more than the competition. It is not just about being the best team, the best leader, or the best organization. 
but it is more so about being the referred or preferred team leader and organization. And the reason why I say that is because if you focus on strengthening your strengths and doing repairs to your weaknesses, having recognized them after you've done the SWOT analysis, your main focus then is to create the opportunity for improvement. What this means is that whether you are providing a service, whether you're offering goods, or you are in manufacturing, or you are a sporting team, the entire organization's responsibility is to ensure that enough internal research and development is being done so that at any given time, there is something that may turn up that we consider as a kink in the armor. You have mechanisms in place to address that. And that is why I say it is important not to focus so much on the competition. The competition will always be there. They are not going to go away. They're going to be doing their thing. But the key to your existence has to do with your ability to remain relevant to the market that you have captured. Your target market must be your priority, whether it be your clients or your customers or the people that you supply or the people that you entertain, your supporters, your subscribers. These are the individuals that must matter to the entire organization because what you are saying when you commit yourself to internal healing, to internal research and development, you are saying we are going to do our best to produce the best possible product, services, goods, entertainment for the people that are looking forward for it from us. And that must be the thing that stands at the forefront of your priority when you're doing your yearly planning. We are here because we are about to serve the people that look to us for the service and the products that are important to them. We are here because we are going to add value to the lives of these people. We are here because we are going to do our best to create a level of entertainment that these people would feel that they matter more than anything else. Are we going to make profits? Yes, the profits will come. We do not have to focus on the profits. We have to focus on the product. What we are putting out matters the most. And as long as we remain relevant, then we can always be assured that we will be the preferred organization based on that holistic understanding from the bottom to the top and from the top to the bottom. Inside out, upside down, and vice versa. So it must be that holistic approach where every aspect of the organization is saying to those that they represent, we have your best interests at heart. It is not about the stakeholders so much. Their profits are secured as long as the service and the goods and the entertainment that we give to you 
is secured. That must be the mannerism, that must be the mental preparation of approach, and that must be the necessary adjustment that needs to take place for the team, the leader, and the organization to remain successful and buoyant. And if they do that, what happens is that it will set a different trend going forward. People would notice the difference and they would begin to understand that this organization is not so much concerned about the profits that they obviously will make, but they are also concerned about the environment in which they function. <laughs> and they will form partnerships with other persons or people in the community, understanding that when they develop that sort of community kind of organization, it creates even a greater impact, a greater impression. And it is a more healthier environment in which to function because you are looking at collaboration. That's the key. Collaboration. Do not try to stand alone as an organization, a team, or a leader. Always remember it is better to collaborate. Finally, there's a huge difference between Apple and Microsoft. Apple's basic concern is that they make every single instrument device user friendly easier for someone to use to accomplish whatever they need to accomplish purposeful commitment is what they put into their products microsoft is concerned about being ahead of the game all the time are they both successful yes but which one seems to be more closer aligned to the needs of people apple because that's their basic core area of concern. That's their priority. They are not concerned about competition. They are saying as long as we remain relevant to the needs of the people, we'll be wrong for a long time. Microsoft, on the other hand, is saying, listen, as long as we remain ahead of the competition in terms of our research and development, we'll be wrong for a long time. They are both correct. But I prefer to go the way where my focus is on the people who use my services and products rather than the future, which has so many uncertainties. As I close, I say thank you for listening. And I hope that what we have shared with you would be transformational in helping those who are in business and in partnerships to understand the functions of the separate part and yet a whole of the team, the leader, and the corporate body or the organization in coming together to accomplish its purpose, its dreams, its mission, and its visions. It has been a pleasure. And I thank you for your continued support and your commitment. Our website, 
www.andyspersonaldevelopment.com Log on and you can subscribe and get your episodes. You can also look at our network on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, iTunes, all the major podcast platforms we are out there. This is Andy saying goodbye for now. Stay safe. Stay blessed. Thank you so much. Godspeed. Until next time. Bye now. Thank you.